Good morning, and very welcome to Open Arms Online. Today I want to give you the title of my message up front, and it's simply this, don't give up. You know, over the past 18 months or so, a lot of people have given up. They've given up on their careers, their jobs. They've given up on their dreams. In fact, some people have given up on relationships and their marriages. Some people have given up on the relationship with God. And some people have given up with their relationship with church and their close relationship with, with people. Some people stay at home and you're watching TV right now. Now, sometimes that's okay because you're on shift work or you're sick or there's something on. But what we want to encourage is do not give up on the dream that God has placed within your heart. You know, as I look back over the past 30 years, there was many times in the beginning when I too wanted to give up. But you know, in the latter years, I've come to a place and said, God, this is where you have me. This is where I'm settled. This is where I'm rooted. And you're probably going to take me out of here in a box because I'm here to stay. And what I want to do today is I want to look at the life of Joseph. Joseph and his Technicolor dream coat, as many of you would have known him. And Joseph can certainly say, do not give up. Do not give up on the dream that God has placed within your heart. So just before I read the scripture, I'm going to pray. Father, your word is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. And Father, I pray, Lord, this morning as we begin to open up your word, to delve into your word, that you would speak to us through the power of your spirit in Jesus' name. So don't give up. So look, what would Joseph say? Genesis 37, 1-7 says this. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zippah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made a richly ornamented robe for him, Joseph, multicolored dream coat. We've seen shows in London and all over the world about this. Verse 4 said, When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. So first of all, if you're 17, and if God gives you a dream, can you find out should you share it with someone beforehand? Is it something for you to keep in the depths of your own heart? It's not always wise to share everything that God's given. Sometimes it's for prayer. Sometimes it's not yet. So, so be very careful and be very wise about who you share with. Verse 6 says, Joseph said to them, Listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheep rose and stood upright, while the sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to me. Then going all the way down to verse 19, what happened is that obviously they hated him all the more. And remember, these tended flocks of sheep and goats. And the brothers, the older brothers, were out in the land looking after all of the herds. Joseph was home with his father. And as we would say in Ireland, the dad sent him out with some sandwiches, lunchtime, right? Perhaps it was a roll, a wrap, a ham cheese sandwich, and a Diet Coke, whatever it was, he went out to find his brothers and to give them some lunch. And as he was approaching him, this is what we read. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him 
and throw him into one of those cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. So here was Joseph. He had already was hated because the father loved him all the more, which is, again is not so wise. And then he told him about the dream that one day all of his brothers and mom and dad would bow down before him. And so when the guys saw him, they wanted to kill him. And actually they got him and threw him into the cistern. But one of the brothers, the younger brothers, Reuben, said, we can't kill him. So they saw a caravan coming along and was on its way to Egypt. So they decided to pull him out of the cistern and to sell him into slavery. So what they did was they took the multicolored cloak off him, they tore it, put blood on it, and brought it back to the father and said, wild animals killed poor Joseph. And obviously, dad was devastated. But Joseph was sold to the caravan. He was brought all the way to Egypt, and he was sold into a guy called Potiphar. Now, Potiphar was quite a powerful guy, and he had quite a large household. And it says in the scripture that Potiphar saw the Spirit of God upon Joseph. And he put him in charge of the household. And everything that Joseph put his hand to was blessed. However, Potiphar had a wife. And in Scripture we call him Potiphar's wife. And she tried to, in a sense, to molest Joseph. But Joseph refused. Because he said, your husband, Potiphar, has put me in charge. I will not sin against my God. So she would try it on every single day with him, but one day she was alone with him in the house and all the slaves were outside. Again, she tried to reach out to Joseph. She grabbed his cloak again, which is interesting, and he tore away and left her standing with the cloak. When the slaves came back in, she screamed and she said, that slave that my husband has put in charge tried to have his way with me. And so told it also to the husband Potiphar and he had him put in jail. So Joseph ended up in jail because he was a man of integrity, a man who would not sin against his God, and he ended up in the dungeon. Now again, the captain of the dungeon, the guy who was in charge, saw again the Spirit of God upon Joseph. And he put him in charge of some of the jailers. Sometime later, Pharaoh, who had a a falling out with two of his servants, one was the chief cupbearer, and the other was the chief baker, And he too put them in jail. And they were in jail, and it says that Joseph was tending to them. Well, one night, these guys had a dream, a very, very similar dream. The cupbearer had a dream, and he thought that in in three days, three nights, that he would be putting the cup back into Pharaoh's hand again. The baker, he had a similar dream. He, He dreamt that in three days' time, that he would be having a basket full of bread on his head, and the birds would be eating from the basket. But they couldn't interpret. So what does this mean? Is this going to happen? So they asked Joseph. And Joseph said that he's God would interpret the dream for them. So he did interpret. He told the cupbearer, you're right. So in three days' time, um, Pharaoh will call you to a party, and he will reinstate you, and you again will become the cupbearer. Then he looked at the baker. He said, but as for you, Pharaoh again will call you in three days' time, but he's going to chop your head off, and the birds of the air will eat your head. Indeed, it came true. Three days later, it was Pharaoh's birthday, and he called the two guys from jail. One he restored, and the other he had killed and removed. But Joseph had said to the guys, he said, you know, if you do go to Pharaoh and he restores you, make sure that you tell them it was I who interpreted your dream. But the cupbearer completely forgot. Two years later, 
Pharaoh too had a dream. And you can read all of this in Genesis 37 forward. So I want to encourage you. I'm not going to tell you the end of the story. not going to tell you how it all ends. But I want to encourage you to get in and read your Bible and find out what happens Joseph and his brothers. But what I want to do now very briefly is to look at four things that we can learn from Joseph's life. Four things that Joseph would say to you and to I today. Number one, don't give up on your dreams, even if you didn't start off well. Again, not many of us were born with silver spoons in our mouth. And even if we were, we ended up at a place where we knew we were sinners, guilty. And for me in particular, I had a lot of guilt and shame. But I, I encountered Jesus. He forgave me. He, he restored my marriage. He put me back into a good place. But one of the problems we have is we have an enemy. And what does the enemy do? He wants to remind us about our past. In fact, he wants to keep us living back in that place. I once was lost, and the enemy said, yeah, but you're still lost. But the Bible says in that great song, Amazing Grace, says, I once was lost, but now I am found. I don't live in the past. Now, my past ex explains how I got here, but it need not determine my future. Philippians 3.13 says, Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on to, to, toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now this is Paul writing to the Philippian church. This is Paul who had slaughtered Christians, who had jailed Christians. But again, he had an encounter with Jesus, and Jesus restored him. So he says, I don't keep looking behind. I strain forward and knowing the hope that God has placed within me. First Timothy again, again Paul writing this. He says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. So guys, do not live in your past. Know what Christ has done in your life and that you're cleansed and forgiven He's got a plan and a purpose for your life, and keep marching forward. The second thing we can learn from Joseph, and he would say to us, don't give up on your dreams, even though those closest to you don't support you. His own family tried to kill him. His own flesh and blood. I mean, when you think of it, these guys he would have played with, wrestled with, had fun with, ate meals with, they tried to kill him. And oftentimes in, in circles like us, where many of us here are first-generation Christians. Our families don't understand. They don't understand our walk with Jesus. They don't understand our encounter. And sometimes they disagree because perhaps we're walking away from a tradition of, of mother and father, of granddad and grandmom, of, of, of generations. We're walking away from that tradition, but we're walking toward a relationship with Jesus. But oftentimes, our families can reject us because of that. And so I want to say to you this morning, keep your eyes on Jesus. Even though your family might ignore you, disagree with you, fight you, or even, even throw you out of the house, whatever it is. Genesis 42 says, and again, this is sometime after 41, so it's many chapters, but it's over 40 years later. This is what the brothers said. He said, they said to one another, Surely we are being punished because of our brothers. We saw how distressed he was 
when he pleaded with us for his life, but we would not listen. That's why this distress has come upon us. So as they were putting him into the cistern, as they were setting him into slavery, it said that Joseph was in distress. And that word distress means he was in mental pain and anguish. And there's many of us, through families, through neighbors, friends, colleagues, that we go through great distress and anguish because of our relationship with Christ, because of their lack of understanding. So I want to encourage you, don't give up on your dream. Keep being faithful. Keep praying for your family. And I believe that God will bring about change. The third thing we learn from Joseph, don't give up on your dreams, even if your journey is full of surprises. Again, I think if you get this today, this is going to help you a lot of ifs, buts, maybes, and, and a lot of hassle in your head. Don't be guessing and second-guessing God all the time. You know when God gives you a dream, he doesn't always bring you from A to Z in a linear motion. Oftentimes we come along and say, okay, I take step A, step B, C, and then you can land back at B again. You can be somewhere in your journey, and sometimes you have this feeling, Lord, it's as if I'm going backwards. And this is where you need the body of Christ. This is where you need friends around you. And to be able to say to you, okay, you've gone back a few steps, but hey, you have gone so far. You have matured so much. So look, I look at my life over a 30-year span. I can't look at my life over a month or six months. I look over a 30-year span, and I know I'm not the same person I was 30 years ago. Neither are you. So don't just keep looking at circumstances. Keep looking over all. Let's just look at, at Joseph's life. What happened to him? Here are some of the highlights of his life. Number one, he was misunderstood by his family. I mean, totally misunderstood and rejected. Sold into slavery to Potiphar. Lived in a strange country away from home. He was given favor in Potiphar's house because God's hand and favor was upon him. He was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. I would call her, she was in Ireland to Flusi without a jacuzzi. By the way, what was Joseph's strategy? He ran. So both male and female, when you find yourself in a compromising position, the best defense is run for your life. Next thing is he was thrown into prison for having integrity. He was put in charge because God's hand of favor was upon him. He was forgotten by the chief cupbearer. He remained in prison two years longer than he should have. He interpreted Pharaoh's dreams. He became second in command of the entire kingdom of Egypt. So do you think there was times when Joseph doubted? Do you think there was times when Joseph wanted to give up on the dream that God has placed within his heart? You bet there was. So what we have to do is keep our eyes on God. Keep our eyes. Though the circumstances may not be always going smoothly, it may not always be going to plan. God is in control. Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So somehow in this mix of life, God would work all of your circumstances and challenges and battles and steps forward and step backwards. He will work it out for your good when you love him. So don't give up on your dream. Number four, don't give up on your dream, even if it takes a long time to realize it. Let me read this scripture. And it's probably not one version that you want to put on your fridge, right? It's from Habakkuk 2.3 from the Living Bible. 
I said this, but these things I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely, the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, don't despair, for these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not become overdue even by a single day. So slowly, steadily, take your time. Take a breath. Calm down. God is in control. It won't happen overnight. I've been walking with the Lord 30 years. He's put stuff in my heart that I have not seen come to pass yet. But I believe in all of my heart that I will see them on this side of eternity. Joseph was 17 when he was given this dream by God. He was 30 years old when he was promoted by Pharaoh. And it was 10 years later before he saw the fulfillment of his dream when his family was fully restored to favor with him. So I want to tell you, enjoy the journey. Just enjoy the journey. You know, Elizabeth bought me a piece of art you know, some years ago because I was always talking about, guys, we're on a journey. Take your time. And, and, and so it was a painting of a, of a ship. And it says, God is not just interested in your destination, but on the journey. So can I just encourage you, encourage you today. Take a breath, wherever you're sitting. If you're in your car, your sitting room, wherever you are, and count your blessings for where you are right now. Do you have a roof over your head? Do you have heat? Do you have air con? Are you watching a tablet on the, on the TV? Do you have electricity? Have you enough to eat? Have you people around you who care for you? Begin to count your blessing and take one step at a time because what God has promised will come to fruition. So let's finish with a few other things that we could learn from the story of Joseph. Focus on what happens in you, not to you. This is so critical because life happens. Life continues to happen. But what's God doing in you? What's the lesson? You know, about six or seven years ago, I went through a period of time, about six months, when I didn't sense or feel the presence of God. I would come into worship and nothing. I would have my own prayer time, nothing. No sense, no feeling of God whatsoever. And I spent a lot of that six months walking the streets of Newbridge with my headset in, listening to worship, just worshiping, 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 but no sense of feeling. And I was used to, all my life, just turning on a worship song, presence of God. Get into a time of prayer, presence of God. Come into church, close my eyes, hands in the air, the presence of God. I was used to that. But for this period of time, there was nothing. But what kept me through this period? So this is, I was walking with the Lord probably about 23, 24 years at that time. His word had become an anchor in my heart and my soul. His word had become my foundation and my cornerstone. And I kept repeating the promises of God over my life, over my family. I, I used to say, Lord, I know I can't feel you nor sense you, but I know that your word says you will never leave me, you will never forsake me. You are my anchor. You are with me. I know you're with me. I don't feel it, but I know it in my knower. And I, I can't tell you that what happened is, you know, I prayed and fasted or I bound and loosed. But all I know is that one day I was in church in open arms in Newbridge. I had my hands raised as normal during the last six months, felt nothing. And suddenly, the gentle 
presence of God came again. It, it, it wasn't like a bomb going off, but it was just a gentle presence where I could sense and feel His presence. So I want to encourage you. Don't just look for stuff on the outside. But what's God teaching you? What's God training you? What, what's happening in your life where God is building faith and building a foundation within you? That though life happens and the devil and the kitchen sink can be thrown at you, you know that our God will keep me. My God loves me. My God has a plan and a purpose. And I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to remain faithful. 1 Peter 6, 7 says this. In this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you may have to suffer griefs of all kinds and trials, these have come that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So guys, keep going for gold. One of the other lessons we can learn from Joseph is your response to, the, to offense will determine your future. Resentment will destroy your dreams. Absolutely, it will destroy you. It's like creating a poison that you want to give to your enemy and taking it yourself. This was Joseph's answer to his brother. Remember his brother who, who tried to kill him and then sold him into slavery? Genesis 50, verse 20. This is what Joseph said to his family. He said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. If Joseph had not been sold into slavery into Egypt, when the great famine came upon that area and the land of Canaan, all of Israel would have died. But because God brought him into slavery, allowed to be brought him into slavery, what they intended for evil, God intended for good. So I want to tell you, no matter what happens in your life, God's intentions are for good for you and for His kingdom and for your local church. So this is not just about me. This is about us. This is about the kingdom of God. And God will use my life to glorify His name and to extend His kingdom. Another lesson we can learn from Joseph, every dream has tough times. But remember, God is always with you. Can I tell you, and I've said this before, but I want you to see this. Oftentimes we're taught in Christianity that there's one stream. And we want peace and happiness and contentment and joy. We want all of that on this place called earth. And when the enemy comes or, or circumstances happen, we want to bind and loose that and be done. That's not real life. I'll tell you what real life is like. It's like a dual carriageway. On one side we've got the favor, the blessing, the presence of God. And on the other side, we have all of the challenges and they go hand in hand. It's very rarely that you'll find yourself in one stream or the other. So if you're looking just for peace on this earth, out there, it ain't going to happen. But you can find peace here, peace within my heart. If we're, if we're looking for peace in the world that we live in, it's not going to happen. We're not going to have global peace tomorrow. <laughs> it's not going to happen. The world is in turmoil but we're going to have peace in our heart, the peace that surpasses all understanding. And what I'd like to do is to finish. I, I want you to, to sit in your sitting room, in your chair, in your car, wherever you are right now. And, and if you can do this for me, if you can sit and relax and breathe nice and gently, if you want to close your eyes, if you're comfortable doing this, 
I want to read a portion of Psalm 139 over your life. I, I want to declare the Scripture over your life. That no matter what the circumstances, no matter what's going on, you're not going to give up. So just when you get ready, let me read this psalm. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in, behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All, A-L-L, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God, how vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. These are the words and the promises of God over your life. I want to tell you guys, no matter what happens, no matter what the circumstances are, don't give up on the dream that God has put within your heart. As for me and my family, we will continue to serve the Lord. As for me and my family, we will continue to be faithful to Jesus because he has been so faithful to us. As for me and my family, we will hang on to his coattail and we will not give up. We will not back down. I want to encourage you to remember the dream that God has placed within your heart. Remember the desires that God has placed within your heart. Get back. Get back into fellowship. Get back into church. Get back. And there's room for you there's a place here, here. There's a place here in Leopardstown. There's a place here in your own geographic area, your local church. I want to encourage you. Get back to serving God. Get back to loving God. And get back to fulfilling the dreams that He has placed within your heart. If you're listening to me today and you've never made a commitment to Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity to respond. So if that's you today, if you want to just pray these words with me. Today, I want Jesus to be my Savior, to be part of His church, His body. I'm going to ask you to just pray these words with me. Jesus, today I give you everything. I am a sinner and I need your forgiveness. Today I choose to follow you. I am forgiven. 
I am free. By your grace, I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you have said that prayer for the first time, or perhaps you've recommitted your life, again, we want to be in touch with you. If you want to go to openarms.ie forward slash connect and just say, hey, I've committed my life. There's a box there. Just take it. Give us your mobile number, your email address, and we will be in touch with you and help you take the next step. But as I finish, let me finish with this. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face smile upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace, his provision, his presence in Jesus' name. Have a great day. Have a blessed week.